0: Hello there, little masters, and welcome to another weekly episode of the Prancing Pony Podcast, where tonight, the good stuff will give you the courage to trade riddles with a dragon.
1: <laughs> West to hell, my friends. I'm Sean Marchese, the real-life Lord of the Mark, and I'm here with the man of the West, the, I don't know, the stabs, jabs, and undercuts
0: to my arts, devices, and stratagems, <laughs> Alan Sisto. <laughs> That's kind of like saying on the D&D Barbarian to your sorcerer. What's my uh, oh, yeah. intelligence score then, huh? Hmm? <laughs> it's like a, like a six, maybe. Ouch. All right, folks. Tonight we finish up Chapter 12. It's, it's okay. I can pick you up and throw you like 50 yards. Exactly right, yeah. Tonight we finish up Chapter 12 of The Hobbit Inside Information. When last we left little Bilbo, he was in Smaug's lair, and the dragon wasn't quite as asleep as Bilbo thought he was. So tonight we finally get a chance to hear from one of the most legendary villains in all of Tolkien's work, nay, in all of literature. <laughs> well, and if you're
1: anything like me, I know I said this last time, you can't wait to hear Alan's smile voice, which I'm sure he's been working on for days and I'm sure is going to get Benedict Cumberbatch a run for his money.
0: Well, not only do I, I lack Cumberbatch's acting skill and, well, his looks, too, but this is a podcast, <laughs> I also lack an entire special effects team working on enhancing the audio. So let's mm, just that. lower that bar of expectations, right, like oh, the dwarves in the fine. last episode about... You know, they're not bad if you don't expect much. (laughs) Fine, fine. But I think we are probably getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Yeah. So before we get too far, Ed, let's get started with
1: our Tolkien quote of the day. Well, and let's not delay this one because it's an old favorite of ours and I think everybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, We've mentioned this quote before uh, in our first season, maybe even in our first episode. I think so.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: I, I can't remember quite for sure. But yeah, so this quote comes to us uh, again. We're we're going to the 1955 letter that Tolkien wrote to the poet W.H. Auden who had reviewed Lord of the Rings in a couple of magazines. Today we're going to bring up a famous comment in that letter that has to do with the first story Tolkien ever wrote. It's a story that has something surprising in common with the Hobbit. So here's the quote. I first tried to write a story when I was about seven. It was about a dragon. I remember nothing about it except a philological fact. My mother said nothing about the dragon, but pointed out that one could not say a green great dragon, but had to say a great green dragon. I wondered why, and still do. The fact that I remember this is possibly significant, as I do not think I ever tried to write a story again for many years, and was (laughs) taken up with language. Well... We've talked a few times before about Tolkien's mother, Mabel, and the lasting impact she had on him, despite the fact that, you know, she died when he was still a boy. Mm-hmm. You know, here we see that Tolkien credited her with first helping him first get taken up with language by correcting his grammar. <laughs> Such a simple parental thing to do. Yeah, um, Alan, I know this is one of your favorite yeah. quotes. Why don't you go ahead and get us started?
0: Well, you know, what makes this one of my favorite Tolkien quotes are two things. Uh, the first is just how brilliantly it rings true, I, even without knowing the rules of adjective order. I just knew this was right in my gut. Uh, and, and two, how deeply it impacted Professor Tolkien. Yeah. Note that while he stopped writing stories for a while, it wasn't because he was emotionally crushed by his mother's tendency to correct his grammar, as might happen to somebody in today's culture where we're often taught that there is no right or wrong way to say things. <laughs> um, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm so sad because of what my mom did that now I don't want to write anymore. No, it's because he wanted to get it Right. So he studied yeah, language yeah. first. This is like mastering the tools of his craft before returning to the craft itself. And I just think that speaks volumes. Yeah, that, that's a really good point
1: about his, his just his sort of perfectionism. Yeah. And yeah, um, and yeah I, that you said that perfectly. I think, you know, mastering the tools of the craft before going back to the craft. Yeah. One thing that I, I like about this is, you know, Tolkien is talking about Well, you even said this. Um, He's talking about one of those things that a native English-speaking adult probably never thinks of, you know, the proper order of adjectives. Mm -hmm. Um, Although we might not realize it every day, there are some subtle rules about the order that adjectives are supposed to go in. Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, um, I don't know if you remember this. About a year and a half ago, there was a quote from a book called *The Elements of Eloquence* uh, by an author named Mark Forsyth that went viral on Twitter and Facebook. And it, it talked about the the proper order of adjectives, and it actually mentioned Tolkien's great I do seem green, to great dragon. Something
0: story. vague about it. I don't remember. It in yeah,
1: detail, I mean, I, I think. Anybody who was on Twitter or on Facebook and there was follow following talking talking, stuff yeah, like we yeah. do, yeah, in the fall of 2016 probably saw it uh, when it went viral. But um, basically, Forsyth argues that adjectives absolutely have to be in the order of opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose – and then the noun. Oh my goodness! Just Google elements of eloquent elements of eloquence if you want yeah. to see the list, because there's no way you're going to. And I'd that. have to see examples um, too, I think. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think green great dragon is or is a perfect example. Sure. You, know, you put great before green because you put size before color. Right. You know, uh, and and there are definitely exceptions. And I have uh, I've read quite a few rebuttals to this Forsyth rule by by some prominent linguists. So it's not you know it's not that clear. Uh, it's not that set in stone. Sure. But what's really cool about it is that, you know, this is something that we do without thinking about. Yeah. Um, and Tolkien sort of traces his lifelong interest in language to this one formative experience of realizing that this is something we do without thinking about. Wow. And I just think that's so neat. You know, I kind of I kinda wish I could remember exactly what it was that first awakened my love of language as a child. And Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it and I just can't remember like I can't remember that one thing that yeah. happened,
0: you know. <laughs> well, I wish I could remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but uh, you know that's another—that's that's my <laughs> well, problem that too. Yeah. That's just—that's
1: <laughs> just, that's just getting older and having kids, my friend.
0: <laughs> well, we should go ahead and get on with the discussion, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. Well, you know, we left off uh, right before Smaug spoke, so I think that means we start with Smaug speaking. So, without and further when Smaug ado, speaks, people listen. Thanks to <laughs> Well, yeah, especially because he sells insurance uh, <laughs> right. or, or financial services or whatever that was. EF e. Hutton, I think it yes. was. EF Hutton. Boy, that's an old ad. <laughs> Showing our age there, Sean. Um, totally. And now, thanks to you selling this and making it into this big deal, I'm all nervous about trying to read Smaug. And before it was just, was just a dragon. You're going to do great. Yeah. We all believe uh, in you.
2: Well, thief, I smell you. And I feel your air. I hear your breath. Come along. Help yourself again. There is plenty and to spare. But
0: Bilbo was not quite so unlearned in dragon lore as all that. And if Smaug hoped to get him to come nearer so easily, he was disappointed. No, thank you, O Smaug the Tremendous, he replied. I did not come for presents. I only wished to have a look at you. "'and see if you are truly as great as tales say. "'I did not believe them.' "'Do you now?' said the dragon, somewhat flattered, "'even though he did not believe a word of it. "'Truly, songs and tales fall utterly short of the reality. "'Oh, Smaug, the chiefest and greatest of calamities,' replied Bilbo.
2: "'You have nice manners for a thief and a liar,' said the dragon." You seem familiar with my name, but I don't remember smelling you before. Who are you, and where do you come from, may I ask? You may indeed. I come from under the hill, and under the hills and over the hills my paths led, and through the air. I am he that walks unseen. So I can well believe said Smaug. But that is hardly your usual name. I am the clue finder, the web cutter, the stinging fly. I was chosen for the lucky number. Lovely titles, sneered the dragon. But lucky numbers don't always come off. I'm he that buries his friends alive and drowns
0: them and draws them alive again from the water. I came from the end of a bag,
2: but no bag went over me. These don't sound so creditable, scoffed Smaug. I am the friend of bears and the guest of eagles.
0: I am ring winner and luck wearer, and I am barrel rider, went
2: on Bilbo, beginning to be pleased with his riddling. That's better, said Smaug. But don't let your imagination run away with you.
0: So, lots to talk about there before we get to... Very, even more stuff very very well done eh, you know I, I'll, I'll take it it's all right oh you did great you're, i think you know, i still like my Glaurung better you're... but you know i i i, I spent oh, most Glaurung's of my talent in season a, you know, one so what can you do your 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 compared to your
1: Smaug, maybe um you know it's like that that dragon size chart yeah <laughs> 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 it's it's it, bigger better but it's exaggerated. There you, you know, go. There you go. Yeah, it's. It wasn't. It wasn't as much better as you think. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you did great. That's
0: awesome. No, that
1: sounds even worse. What I'm trying yeah, to say is you did. Meant. You did fine.
0: <laughs> it wasn't that much better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it wasn't that. Much,
1: your clout wasn't that much better than that. What are you talking about? Ambitious but rubbish. <laughs> in, <laughs> in which Sean digs the hole deeper.
0: Yes, good stuff.
1: While trying. Trying to praise his co-host's
0: performance. <laughs> you don't keep it up. You're done. You're done. It's all good. Um, I love that, that Smaug's first thing is to try to get Bilbo to come in and take something. Oh, just go ahead. It's, you know, it's one cop. Take take another one. Come closer. Come closer. Yeah. yeah. Bilbo, I love this. It's like, I mean, Bilbo's not stupid. He yeah, may not like, no, know all the dragon you. lore, but he knows better than to buy that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah,
1: that's that's pretty common sense yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, that's 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 an obvious one.
1: And he knows enough to know how to talk to him, doesn't he? He sure this, does. This, this flattery, he comes straight in with there with, oh, you know, oh with tremendous flattery, yeah. Yeah. Both barrels. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, even though, you know, it says that the the dragon didn't believe a word of it, but he's still flattered. Mhm. I mean, it, yeah. that's and that's petty. It and, is you petty. Know, he, he knows it's not true, but he's like, well, at least he's
0: flattering me. Yeah, I'm cool that's with that. right. I know full well he doesn't mean it, but I like the way it yeah. sounds. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, great. I mean, I haven't heard anybody call me the chiefest and greatest of calamities in you know, a century or more. I, I, yeah. I like that. You can call me that anytime you want. It's
1: a bit of a mouthful for dwarves to scream as you're burning down their their, their kingdom. You know? oh, it's the chiefest and greatest of calamities.
0: Oh, goodness. That is hilarious. Um,
1: I, which would probably be pretty obvious really well, yeah, at that point.
0: You really are the greatest of calamities. My entire <laughs> town is my my city yeah. inside a mountain is being destroyed and all my yeah. worldly wealth taken from me. So you are yeah. the chiefest and greatest of calamities.
1: Yeah, he just he just ate my entire book club. Of course he's the chiefest
0: <laughs> of calamities. <laughs> he just stomped on them and smushed them into so much jelly. Yeah. Um <laughs> I, I the the uh, but before we go into the I think really cool and somewhat extensive sidebar on one of the names, I want to kind of go through these things. Right, I think we should talk about all yeah, of exactly. them exactly, and, and
1: kind of point to where point they come to the from. moment in the story exactly. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he Bilbo's doing a little clip show here. He really you know? is. You're right. This is yeah. He's talking about like all of his great moments from the last yeah. couple hundred pages, and um, <laughs> Bilbo's great. I definitely offense. think it's worth. Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: So let's see. I come Where from under start? the hill is the first from, one. I come from under the hill. Well, that's pretty straightforward. He, he lives in Bag End in under bag hill. End, under sure. hill. Um, but then yep. under the hills and over the hills, my paths led. Well, that's the title of a chapter almost. It really is, right? I mean, we're Overhill talking and about chapter four. Absolutely. We're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, going through over the, the hills gu- and into the goblin tunnels. That's right. Over the mountain pass yep. and through the goblin tunnels. Uh, and then Through the yep. Air, so that's the, the portion related to uh, being traveled with the, traveling with the eagles. Yeah. Uh, and clearly, I Am He That Walks unseen. unseen is the ring. Obviously, the ring. Yeah. Clue, Clue Finder is the one I think we're, we're gonna going come to come back to. We're going to get into that yeah. one in a minute. That's the one yeah. that's got a lot more explanation to it. Uh, yeah. Web Cutter. Uh, web
1: Cutter, the Stinging
0: Fly. The Stinging those Fly, are both he actually to. referenced himself uh, in, in Mercury. Right. He talked about yeah. himself being the Stinging Fly. Uh, and then Chosen for the Lucky Number goes all the way back to Chapter 1 and the fact that the dwarves didn't yep. want to go off with 13 of them. Uh, buries his yep. friends alive, sticking them into barrels. Mm-hmm. And drowning them, drawing them alive again from the water. Yep. getting them out
1: of the barrels. My favorite one is the next one.
0: Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I came from the end of a bag, so that's easy. That's bag end. But right. no, bag went, but no bag went over me. no bag went over me. He's talking about the troll sex. I love that. That's yep. great stuff. I love that one. Such it's such awesome wordplay. I am the friend of bears, uh, Bayorn. Okay. The sure. guest of eagles uh, up in the uh, pretty airy Yeah. I am ring winner, referencing his riddles with with Gollum, mm-hmm. and luck wearer. I think he realizes the ring is a lucky thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is he's wearing his luck. He's wearing it right yeah. now. As a matter of fact.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we saw this at the very end of the previous episode. That he the blessed luck of his luck. His ring. You know, yeah. he blessed
0: the luck of his ring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's very very much in the forefront of his mind. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the famous one that I am, of course, barrel, barrel rider. rider. So, mm-hmm. you know, straddling that barrel on the way out from uh, from the Elven King's halls. So mm-hmm. really a great set of names that tell a story, if, you know, when you know yeah,
1: it. Yeah, they really do. He's captured all the all the memorable moments from his story mm-hmm. that we've read. Um, yeah. And that tells yeah. us that these moments were important for him, too. Yeah. These were, these, yeah, you're right. These aren't just the cool. These aren't just the things that we think are cool or the narrator thinks are cool. These are these are the things that he thinks are significant um, that have brought him to this point. And I think that's neat.
0: It seems like he really rep- he really represents just about everything that's happened to him from the trolls mm-hmm. forward, with the exception of Rivendell. You notice he doesn't say anything about the elves. You know, he's mm-hmm. the that's friend true. of bears and the guest of eagles. He doesn't but say he the does guest mention. of elves or the, you know. Right. I don't know. Or even the prisoner of elves <laughs> yeah. in
1: one case. And he doesn't say anything about his elven sword either, does he?
0: No. No, he does not. I mean, the stinging fly in this case isn't mentioning sting as a, as a weapon. It's mentioning him and his ability to, to cause harm to, to these to strike creatures. back at the predator spider, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's, but that's a good point. He almost mentions sting there, but yeah, he doesn't quite. Not quite. Not quite. Um, I wonder if he's trying to stay away from elvish topics.
0: Yeah, I know you kind of wonder. I don't think he's consciously yeah. doing that no. Yeah, no. Uh, but he's also staying away from dwarf topics too, as we'll find out, since Smaug has something to say about that. That um, that is true.
1: I know we want to talk a little bit about Cluefinder, yes, maybe let's more than do a little that. bit about Cluefinder. But but really quickly, though, I just mm-hmm. I want to just point out that this is really Bilbo at one of his most Tookish moments.
0: Yes, it is, and
1: it's and I think that's brave. significant because we see at the very end. He's beginning to be pleased with his riddling, yes. which is that's we dangerous. should know by now. That's dangerous. Um, he might be getting a little too Tookish here, and <laughs> even warns him, him warns. Yeah, he even warns <laughs> him like, "Don't, don't get too cocky with this. Yeah, yeah Like you're that. very clever, Mister Baggins." Basically, is yeah. what he's saying. But he really
0: is. You're right.
1: Don't, don't get, don't get too cocky. Don't but, let this carry uh, we you will, away. Yeah, we will definitely get into that in a moment. But now, let's definitely spend some time mm-hmm. on Clue Finder. Because yeah. I think um, Corey Olson had something to say about this in exploring J.R.R. Tolkien's *The Hobbit*. That was, I mean, just it was just a draw jaw-dropping moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to read a little bit from his book. He says, yeah. "Clue Finder is a bit of a puzzle since it isn't clear what clue Bilbo is referring to." And he's yeah. absolutely right. You yeah. Know, while all the other riddle names are really clear, as we've just discussed, you're probably wondering, well, what clue is he talking about here? Now, it, it going back to Olson's words. It might conceivably be a reference to Bilbo's figuring out the meaning of the message in the moon letters. However, I suspect, again, Olson Olson talking, I suspect that Bilbo means something quite different here. The word clue originally meant a ball of string. The Greek hero Theseus famously found his way out of the labyrinth in Crete by sneaking a clue of thread in with him. The use of the word clue in the Theseus story led to the modern sense of the word, something you follow to find the way out of a puzzling problem or situation. Hmm. Bilbo is referring, I believe, to this older meaning of the word clue. He is probably referring to the ball of spider thread that he used to find his way around Mirkwood. That's right. So by now, listeners, you're probably <laughs> yeah. even more confused. You're thinking, wait, <laughs> ball what ball, ball of spider thread? thread? <laughs> yeah. What, Like, what book are you guys reading? Um, <laughs> Alan's actually got the explanation for that. I'm going to let him give that Well,
0: one. we're reading Rattler's History of the Hobbit along with the Hobbit and along with... <laughs> Anderson's annotated yeah, of it, and true. along That's with Olson's true. book, um, you know, we didn't get back in. We didn't get into this back in chapter eight. I I know we wanted to. Um, frankly, those those chapters or those episodes there were a were, few things going on yeah, in those chapters. There was so much going on that we just kind of said, "All right, we'll we'll come back to visit this later." We wanted to talk about it here, yeah. um, but there is a Theseus like detail that was in Tolkien's first draft of the Mirkwood chapter. Mm-hmm. If we go back to Olson's commentary on chapter eight, he says. In the initial version, Bilbo shows great resourcefulness in locating the spider's nest. The spider that Bilbo killed when he woke had left a trailing thread. The hobbit finds it, and Bilbo follows the thread back toward the path and past it to the colony, winding the excess string into a ball as he goes. Bilbo not only uses the thread to guide him back to the spider colony where the dwarves have been taken, but he also leaves a trail behind him back to the path. After he crosses it, a trail that he can follow to safety, as Theseus does in the Labyrinth of Crete. Before the book went to publication, however, Tolkien rejected this idea, got rid of Bilbo's guiding thread, and deleted almost every reference to it. Now, I wanna, I wanna pause there to read the footnote uh, that he put in this section of the, uh, in chapter eight. He says, I believe that there is one lingering reference to Bilbo's ball of thread which Tolkien neglected to remove and which remains even in the latest editions of the story. We'll come across this reference later on in chapter 12.
1: And we have just done That's so. That's exactly right.
0: <laughs> so there's your flashback uh, to chapter eight, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: i I'm, frankly, I'm still reeling from the knowledge that clue, yeah. uh, originally meant a ball of thread. Yeah. I actually looked into this. Um, not that I wouldn't just take Olson's word for it, but um, I, I was just curious, you know, etymology. Yeah, of and uh, yeah, it was actually originally spelled C L E W. Mm-hmm. Um, as a ball of yarn or thread, but then clue, C-L-U-E, emerged in the 1590s, I think, as um, basically a a new spelling for this new specialized meaning Mm -hmm. of the way we use it today, you know, a piece of evidence
0: that you use in detecting a crime or solving a mystery. Right. Now, it really is a shame we didn't talk about this back in those three episodes, because the last sentence of that paragraph in Olson's book says, what he replaced it with, talking about the ball of thread, was simple luck. Yeah, yeah,
1: we probably would have spent would have wanted to spend a little time I on that. I think so, but you know, oh yeah.
0: well. Well, at least we put it out there now. Uh, you know, it's another mm-hmm. way in which, as the story developed and it changed, and Tolkien let it kind of evolve, that he made luck or fate more and more of a driving force.
1: Yeah, and it's a it's a neat reminder that Tolkien,
0: uh, as
1: much of a perfectionist he was, he he wasn't perfect. You know? No, <laughs> even after that's true. taking out the the clue of thread, he kept his reference to the clue finder. Although. Mm-hmm considering how many times he revised the book even after publication yeah, i have to wonder true. if he didn't just want to leave it there as a you know a little enigma something for us to draw
0: our own conclusions that's about that's a good that. point he does he does like to do that sort of thing so yeah um super a, cool stuff a, it really great is. just a great word nerd fact and
1: Love that. a great little detail that's uh, no longer in the book sadly
0: yeah i mean it makes I mean, sense Tolkien, he, he yeah, took Tolkien that out had his and, reasons for it yeah i get it i get it so we talked about how, you know, Bilbo was handling this conversation pretty wisely. He knew he knew to flatter the dragon. Uh, he knew not to reveal his name. And the narrator mm-hmm. tells us that, right? I mean, he actually breaks the, the fourth wall and says, this is the way you should talk to dragons if you don't want to reveal your name. That's wise. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, we get that break. And Bilbo knew better than to tell him his name. I frankly couldn't help but think that it's a shame Turin and Neonor didn't, didn't that. know that. Turin didn't know
1: that. Or Neonor, yeah.
0: Especially Neonor, but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just don't tell me. Yeah, maybe name.
1: if Glaurung hadn't known their real names, he wouldn't have uh, yeah. singled
0: them out for, yeah. oh, that special, special plan he had for them. Such him. <laughs> a special plan. Oh, goodness. Terrible, terrible stuff.
1: I can't wait to get to Children of Hurin someday. I know oh. it's going to be like nine years from now. but yeah. I know, just
0: about. And, and we'll like weep our way through the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a sad story. Um, I do love this, this kind of comparison of Smaug's internal thoughts. Uh, We get this here where in in the passage that we're not reading right away, but we get that that he smiles to himself uh, and thinks that, oh, it's the lake men. But then he has something else to say, which is where I'm going to turn to you, Sean, and say, you've got something to read. Oh, and now I get to read Smaug. This will be fun. (laughs) It'll be at least as good as your (laughs) glarong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I did for Glaurung's I, I don't think we, you did. I think I took all of Glaurung's time. Did, did I give it all to you? I probably I think just. We here, did. You just take all those. I think we did. <laughs> oh, man.
1: All right.
3: <clears throat> Very well, O oh Barrel Rider,
1: he said aloud.
3: Maybe Barrel was your pony's name, and maybe not, though it was fat enough. You may walk unseen, but you did not walk all the way. Let me tell you, I ate six ponies last night, and I shall catch and eat all the others before long. In return for the excellent meal, I will give you one piece of advice for your good. Don't have more to do with dwarves than you can help. Dwarves? said Bilbo in pretended surprise. Don't talk to me, said Smaug. I know the smell and taste of dwarf. No one better. Don't tell me that I can eat a dwarf-ridden pony and not know it. You'll come to a bad end if you go with such friends, thief-barrel rider. I don't mind if you go back and
1: tell them so from me. But he did not tell Bilbo that there was one smell he could not make out at all hobbit smell. It was quite outside his experience and puzzled him mightily. I suppose you got a fair price
3: for that cup last night? He went on. Come now. Did you? Nothing at all. Well, that's just like them. And I suppose they are skulking outside. And your job is to do all the dangerous work and get what you can when I'm not looking for them and you will get a fair share. don't you believe it? If you get off alive,
0: you will be lucky. <laughs> oh man, he is twisted. I mean, he's trying all the angles. Oh, man. you know. He really is. yeah. getting him to turn on the dwarves. Mhm. Yeah. Sowing that
1: discord, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, uh, that's true. That's a common. We plan. saw a lot of the same stuff with Glaurung, didn't we? Oh yeah. You know, just the way that they can turn the truth on its ear.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and tell these lies with a kernel of truth in them. There's a few points. Yeah. Where he does that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, and the dwarves really, really are kind of gets, skulking outside. Yeah, it is kind of yeah, his job to do the dangerous work. It,
1: it is absolutely. Um, the
0: narrator has already sort of
1: explained that to right. us, not entirely to my satisfaction, but <laughs> yes, um, true. But you know, Smaug, he he takes that one little one little seed of doubt that that's in Bilbo's mind, mm-hmm. and he just he just works it, yeah, and um, he builds some trust, this
0: tiny little mm-hmm. hole, and until it gets yeah. to be something pretty big, yeah. You know, I have to say yeah. it was really hard when when you were reading um, that Smaug didn't tell Bilbo there was one smell he couldn't make out at all. I almost said Irish spring <laughs> because I thought he wouldn't be able to figure that out either. <laughs> no, he probably would not. I,
1: I doubt he smelled a bar of soap for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. I've just, I just. Did the dwarves, e- did the dwarves even have soap in, you know, who knows? Who knows? Even when they were living there, if they had soap and they had Lonely Mountain. Who, who knows? No, he doesn't recognize how smell, Smelly though. Mountain. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so, it's just so musty in there and it's just. All these thousands of dwarves just living together.
0: It's
1: (laughs) Yeah, they don't wash those things. They don't have. They don't have all those beard conditioners and things that kids have these days. Beard conditioners, I love it. But, uh, but yeah, it's interesting that Smaug does not recognize hobbits. No, of course. I um, mean, it's not a surprise. You know, it remind. (laughs) I mean, where would he have that experience? Really. Right. Well, it reminds me once again how hobbits sort of come out of nowhere in the yeah. history of Middle Earth. Yeah. Um, nobody paid any attention to them. They never figured in any other great stories. And um, once again, we see where that's useful. Yeah. Well, we're about to see where that's useful because Smaug doesn't know.
0: And they, they live in Bo such a, an from. insular way. I mean, they, they're they only yeah. in the Shire and in Bree. Right. That's it. They don't They don't spread out.
1: Point, you know. Yeah. Right. Once upon a time, they would have well, been yeah, down. The, on the, the other,
0: other side of the bank, Anduin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and uh, it just reminds me with this sort of um, – they've stayed under the radar for so long and it just mm-hmm. – they've just sort of become – they've sort of become the perfect instruments for um, the events that are going to yeah. bring about the eucatastrophe of the You're third right. age, you know? You're right. You um, really are. It's, it's perfect because it's always because nobody really knows who they are. Yeah. Everybody underestimates them. Th- that's Some exactly nice what star- I was about and... to
0: say. It's that lack of knowledge that then leads to, to them being underestimated in so mm-hmm. many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah even in even the dwarves really underestimated it oh yeah for sure so yeah yeah i guess that comes as a uh, as an advantage in many ways and and we'll see mm-hmm. some of that more yeah. again as we move uh, as we move forward so well i am going to there's there's a very long passage that i'm going to tackle here uh, and so i i beg your indulgence i ask you to allow me to read this lengthy passage please enjoy it um, but there's a lot here, and we really we will, just couldn't split it up. Honestly. We really couldn't. There's yeah, no yeah. Could. where in the world could we have broken this up? So, uh, just uh, you know, bear with me as I as I get through this and uh, enjoy, and we'll we'll discuss each of the things that come up uh, after the passage. Bilbo was now beginning to feel really uncomfortable. Whenever Smaug's roving eye, seeking for him in the shadows, flashed across him, he trembled, and an unaccountable desire seized hold of him to rush out and reveal himself and tell all the truth to Smaug. In fact, he was in grievous danger of coming under the dragon's spell. But plucking up courage, he spoke again. "'You don't know everything, O Smaug the Mighty,' said he. "'Not gold alone brought us hither.' (laughs)
2: "'Ha, ha, ha, you admit the us,' laughed Smaug. "'Why not say us fourteen and be done with it, Mr. Lucky Number?' "'I am pleased to hear that you had other business in these parts besides my gold. "'In that case, you may, perhaps, not altogether waste your time. "'I don't know if it has occurred to you that even if you could steal the gold bit by bit, "'a matter of a hundred years or so, you could not get it very far.' Not much use on the mountainside. Not much use in the forest. Oh, bless me. and you never thought of the catch? <laughs> a fourteenth share, I suppose, or something like it. Those are the terms, eh? But what about delivery? What about cartage? What about armed guards and tolls? And Smaug laughed aloud. He had a wicked... And a wily heart, and
0: he knew his guesses were not far out, though he suspected that the lake men were at the back of the plans, and that most of the plunder was meant to stop there in the town by the shore that in his young days had been called Esgaroth. You will hardly believe it, but poor Bilbo was really very taken aback. So far, all his thoughts and energies had been concentrated on getting to the mountain and finding the entrance. He had never bothered to wonder how the treasure was to be removed. Certainly, never how any part of it that might fall to his share was to be brought back all the way to Bag End Under Hill. Now a nasty suspicion began to grow in his mind. Had the dwarves forgotten this important point, too? Or were they laughing in their sleeves at him all the time? That is the effect that dragon talk has on the inexperienced. Bilbo, of course, ought to have been on his guard but Smaug had rather an overwhelming personality. I tell you, he said, in an effort to remain loyal to his friends and keep his end up, that gold was only an afterthought with us. We came over hill and under hill, by wave and wind, for revenge. Surely, O Smaug, the unassessably wealthy, you must realize that your success has made you some bitter enemies. Then Smaug really did laugh. A devastating sound which shook Bilbo to the floor. While far up in the tunnel, the dwarves huddled together and imagined that the hobbit had come to a sudden and a nasty end. <laughs> "'Revenge!' he snorted, and the light of his eyes lit the hall from floor to ceiling like scarlet
2: lightning. "'Revenge! The king of the mountain is dead!' And where are his kin that dare seek revenge? Gideon, Lord of Dale, is dead, and I have eaten his people like a wolf among sheep. And where are his sons' sons that dare approach me? I kill where I wish, and none dare resist. I laid low the warriors of old, their like is not in the world today. Then I was but young and tender. Now I am old and strong. Strong, strong thief in the shadows, he gloated. My armor is like tenfold shields. My teeth are swords, my claws spears the shock of my tail, a thunderbolt, my wings a hurricane, and my breath, death. I have always understood,
0: said Bilbo in a frightened squeak, that dragons were softer underneath, especially in the region of the uh, uh, chest, but doubtless one so fortified as thought of that. The dragon stopped short in his boasting.
2: Your information is antiquated, he snapped. "'I am armoured above and below with iron scales and hard gems. "'No blade can pierce me.'
0: "'I might have guessed it,' said Bilbo. "'Truly, there can nowhere be found the equal of Lord Smaug the Impenetrable. "'What magnificence to possess a waistcoat of fine diamonds!'
2: "'Yes, it is rare and wonderful indeed,'
0: said Smaug, absurdly pleased.' He did not know that the hobbit had already caught a glimpse of his peculiar undercovering on his previous visit and was itching
2: for a closer view for reasons of his own. The dragon rolled over. "'Look,' he said. "'What do you say to that?'
0: "'Dazzlingly marvelous! Perfect! Flawless! Staggering!' exclaimed Bilbo aloud. But what he thought inside was, "'Old fool!' Why, there is a large patch in the hollow of his left breast, as bare as a snail out of its shell. After he had seen that, Mr. Baggins' one idea was to get away. Well, I really must not detain your magnificence any longer, he said, or keep you for much-needed rest. Ponies take some catching, I believe, after a long start. And so do burglars, he added as a parting shot as he darted back and fled up the tunnel. <laughs> what cheek! What cheek! That parting
1: shot is, yeah, hilarious. is hilarious. I love it. Fun stuff. Not wise, but no, funny. not wise at all.
0: <laughs> uh, While well, we don't read it, we end up finding out that he basically gets the hair on his neck and back singed. Yeah. Singed. <laughs> yep. Oh goodness. Boy, well, um, we got—we definitely have to
1: go back a bit and, and talk about mm-hmm. quite a bit
0: of that. Um, Lots of stuff to talk about here.
1: So much, yeah.
0: You know, earlier we talked about where did that desire come from to, to come in and, and take the gold, right? To take the treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you might have been on to something about the dragon because here we get the unaccountable desire that seized hold of him to rush out and reveal himself. Now he's really in danger because the, the dragon is not asleep now. Mm. Uh, and he's got this potent dragon spell and we know that he's in danger of coming under yeah having read turin what that means Um, oh yeah i mean it you know
1: for those who have not it can it can erase your memory mm -hmm. it can cause you to think you're somebody else cause you to think you're somebody else it can make you um, almost not quite see things that aren't there not in a literal sense Mm -hmm. but in a um, in, in the sense of sort of just coloring your perception of yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, misinterpreting um, all the facts. and Misinterpreting the, things, yep,
0: exactly. It also cause you to freeze um, physically, to just not move. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's a good really, thing. Really nasty stuff. Good thing he doesn't yeah. fall into that. And, and I think that tells you something about the strength of Glaurung versus the strength of Smaug. I mean, let's be honest, as as cool a character as Bilbo is, he doesn't have he's that... He's not turing
1: strong. No, he's not Turin. No, strong, he's not or, Turin. or even Neonor strong. No, no. You know, he's not, he's not the...
0: He He's doesn't have, have that hardness of and spirit, yeah, and right. and clearly, yeah. if if those two could fall into the spell of Glaurung, and Bilbo was able to just pluck up a little courage to avoid falling into the spell of of Smaug, <laughs> the dragons of right. you know, <laughs> this used to be a great neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, the, the dragons aren't what they That's used right. to be. They're you not know? what they no. used to be.
0: They don't they don't make them like they used no, to. No, they definitely don't. But Glaurung was you know the father of dragons. He was he was something special. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we get more of this attempt to turn Bilbo against the dwarves, mm-hmm. and and he he starts to fall yeah. for it because frankly it's a really good point. Yeah, did you think yeah. about these well, things? Yeah, I mean oh, there
1: is there is a kernel of truth here. You know this. Yeah. Um, how did you think you were going to get the gold, the, the, to get the, the the treasure out of here anyway? Right. You know. Um, and then how are you going to get it home? How are you going to get it home? Um, what about delivery? What about cartage and tolls? I love that. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Um and and the narrator, you know, the narrator does tell us in the following paragraph that um, you know, when he says Bilbo was really very taken aback, um, you know, he goes on to say talk about how short sighted Bilbo had been. Um yeah. I think we've done a, a good job of focusing on how short sighted the dwarves have been, but um you well, know, it's because we have a hard is, time we have a hard time missing the obvious. Well, that's true. <laughs> yes. The dwarves didn't even really look past getting to the mountain. You know, no. Bilbo failed to look past, you know getting inside the mountain and right. you know, he never really thought about what was well and
0: to be to, to be honest i think there's a part of that's because of course it never came up from the dwarves perspective they don't have to take the treasure anywhere right. they oh, don't have true. to figure out where to take it this yeah. is their home that's a good Bilbo, point on the other hand is the only one who has to go all the Bilbo way back. has to go home and he has to get this treasure back yeah that's a good yeah point. yeah so no wonder the dwarves never talked about it yeah um Really
1: interesting. That's a really good point. Although it, it does beg the question of, you know, what they would have done if they hadn't gotten rid of the dragon. <laughs> or cut it. Were they just, yeah, kind of just going to uh, squat, you know, <laughs> right there in the tunnel? There you go. We'll just but, stay there uh, for a
0: while. Yeah. But again, because um,
1: there is this kernel of truth in what in what Smaug is yeah. saying, Bilbo does, you know, Bilbo does start he, to get suspicious.
0: The suspicion begins to grow in his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he starts to think that maybe they're even laughing at him. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, and that's, but that's an effect of dragon talk. You know, we, yeah. we see this throughout the legendarium. That it's not only dragons, but I mean, words have power, you know, oh, yeah. the, the, the of somebody like
1: Saruman, the, the effect of,
0: yeah. of Saruman's voice. That was where I was thinking next. I was starting thinking in first age with the, the power of the words of Feanor and how the Noldor oh, yeah. ended up, you know, as besotted as if with wine and, mm-hmm. and as briefly. That's a good and point. then of course, all the way to the third age was Saruman and his mm-hmm. ability to weave words and say them in such a way that. Everybody just feels like what he says is right.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and here it's the same kind of thing. Smaug has an overwhelming personality. <laughs> it's such a subtle, just a, a nice little, an understated, understated way. It. Yeah. 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 Really is. Yeah. I, I love Bilbo's attempt though to try to kind of save save the dwarves here. You know. Um, yeah. To remain loyal, as the text says. That he brings up revenge,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: boy, does little, Smaug lose it there. A little bit of a mind game, too. You know, I think it, it is. There's, a, there's
1: an intimidation tactic there. It's like, oh no, it's not your, it's not your treasure. We're getting, we're here to get revenge yeah. on you. We
0: want to kill you. Yeah,
1: that that's meant to shake Smaug up a
0: bit, and it does. It does. Uh, you know, I mean, it, I think at this point, Smaug loses it. Yeah, you know, I mean, he really, yeah, he's still the arrogant. I'm in control. Condescending. But but he's lost a, a bit of that control. Mm-hmm. He's th- th- his response is way like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Um. But not in a sense of humor. I mean, he's ticked that you even dare to think. Yeah. About how, it. How, how dare you even suggest that you could get revenge on me? There's yeah.
1: there's nobody in the world today who can.
0: Right. Who can take me down. Um, oh, man. And, and then, that is know. such a great paragraph. I. It is. That that was my favorite to read. I have to I admit bet. That, well,
1: yeah, I mean, how fun. From the from the great I mean, the great just reminder of how how much, you know, Thorin and his company are not oh, yeah. their ancestors. How much, you know, Bard <laughs> yeah. hasn't even appeared yet, but you know, Bard is not Grien. Bard's um, not Grien. No. S- Smaug is Smaug's right. There there yeah. should not be anybody around who can take
0: him down. There's nobody here and that was when I was young and tender and now Mm -hmm. i'm significantly stronger
1: strong 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 and then he describes and this boasting is yeah you've got some cool stuff on that i know we want well yeah
0: uh you know we we ratliff actually suggests that we compare his boasts with the description of the dragon in the bible in job 41 now this is relevant because tolkien's actually alleged to have worked on the translation of job
1: yeah, that that was interesting to hear. I I know I knew that he had translated uh, Jonah for the Jerusalem Bible. I think he actually mentioned that himself in uh, yeah in one of his letters, letter two ninety four. But I think um, so. But according to Ratliff, um, and and Ratliff is actually citing a reference that was given to him by Wayne Hammond, um, the publisher of the Jerusalem Bible, said that Tolkien also worked on the Book of Job, uh, providing its initial draft and playing an important part in establishing its final text.
0: Yeah. Now, I have to admit, we don't often read from the Bible here on the Prancing Pony podcast. It's it's not what this is about. But Ratliff's suggestion that we compare Smaug's boasts with the Leviathan from Job 41 is a good one. Uh, I'm going to—I picked and choose—picked it—I'm picking and choosing. <laughs> I'm like, how do I past yeah. tense that? I picked and chose? That sounds <laughs> I, terrible. I have
1: picked and chosen.
0: Yeah, that's, that does that's sound awful kind of terrible. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I, I've sort of chosen you know, rhymes
1: with nose, and so you're thinking
0: picked and chosen. Picked and t- oh that's really bad. Uh, I've I've selected a few verses <laughs> to read uh, that that will really remind you, I think, of Smaug's boasting. Next I will talk of his limbs and describe his matchless strength. Who can undo the front of his tunic or pierce the double armor of his breastplate? Who dare open the gates of his mouth? terror reigns round his teeth his back is like rows of shields sealed with a stone seal touching each other so close that no breath could pass between sticking to one another making an impervious hole his sneezes radiate light his eyes are like the eyelashes of the dawn from his mouth come fiery torches sparks of fire fly out of it his nostrils belch smoke like a cauldron boiling on the fire his breath could kindle coals Flame issues from his mouth. Sword may strike but will not stick in him. No more will spear, javelin, or lance. Iron means no more to him than straw, nor bronze than rotten wood. No arrow can make him flee. A slingstone tickles him like hay. Club seems to him like straw. He laughs at the whoring javelin. He has sharp potsherds underneath and moves across the slime like a harrow. I mean... Wow, I, you're not kidding.
1: I mean... Yeah. That really does sound like a dragon. It sounds like Smouse.
0: Sounds like a dragon and the the reference to like the my armor's like tenfold shields. Yeah. The the teeth are yeah. swords, the claws spears. That's that's yeah. reminiscent and of this vision of a Making dragon. an
1: impervious hole. I love
0: that. Yeah. That bit about um about yeah, his armor. Yeah, the, the the shields, the rows of shields. Mm. Yeah. It's powerful yeah. stuff, and uh, I don't even know that I'd really His sneezes radiate light. That's, that's kind, <laughs> it's kind a, of a
1: funny one, but I mean, you is, think about it? like a dragon and the idea that they might, you know, sneeze fire. Yeah. Um, that's interesting.
0: It is interesting. Just so that people are aware, because that's not an a edition that, you know, maybe anybody's familiar with, um, that's not actually the Jerusalem Bible, because I couldn't find one online, and I don't have one. Oh, okay. Because it's a, it's a, a Catholic text. Um, primarily for Catholic, for uh, Roman Catholic scholars, from what I remember reading, but the text I that, that would I read was Tolkien was working on it so. exactly. The to- the text that I read is from the New Jerusalem Bible, so I assumed it's fairly similar uh, okay. to what Tolkien would have been involved in drafting or editing, uh, you know, in, in some okay. in some context. Cl- close close as we could get with close what's as we could get. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, so. it's it's
1: definitely. The comparison is definitely there. I, oh yeah, I absolutely. It's really apt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it really very is. Very much so.
0: Um, that's
1: really cool. And, it, and I mean, and you know, while we know Tolkien knew his Bible anyway, it's really, sure. it's really compelling to know that he actually worked on this book. That he,
3: yeah, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. That's what I think is what I find so intriguing that uh-huh. he'd spent some time working on it. Uh, he kind of had to dial back his involvement. I, the letter that you mentioned, uh, he did seem did seem to imply that he was, uh, you know invited to work on more, but that Jonah was really the only one that he could complete. Um, okay. So it sounds like his involvement with other Old Testament books was uh, was less than, you know, the full translation, but that he was certainly involved in this one, according to what Hammond found. Uh, and this was all was later in his life, wasn't it? I mean, because uh, like, yeah, the Jerusalem Bible came 66. out in like right. 66. So. Okay. so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
1: maybe a few years before that was when he was working on it, but it definitely mm-hmm. well after the Hobbit came out.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this would have been in the early to mid '60s that he was working mm-hmm. on that. So uh, even the even the passage here where the, where the dragon, where Smaug says, uh, "I am armored above and below with iron scales; no blade can pierce me." That's very much mm-hmm. like what we just read about that you know swords can't get no through any javelins or yeah, The part where he literally says right. that sword may strike but will not stick in him. to no more yes, spear, right. Javelin or lance. So right, yep. yeah, he's really claiming to be this a really disaster of biblical proportions, if you will, <laughs> quite literally, uh, yeah. in a very literal sense. Pretty cool stuff. Um, wow. But you know, That's Bilbo really cool. maintains his uh, maintains his cool, doesn't he? You know, he continues to yeah, flatter he has, him. He, yeah. Lord would be impenetrable. He's
1: just <laughs> trying to kind of just trying to fish it out of him. I mean, fish it out of him. If if
0: Bilbo is not a fisherman, he should try it. He should. He's very good at it. This makes me think. To go back to uh, chapter five and the riddles with Gollum and how easily Bilbo got flustered back then, Mm. you know, and and Mm -hmm. like remember when Gollum was like pawing at him and so he couldn't think of a riddle. Yeah. Gollum
1: was sort of the –
0: there was a cat and mouse game
1: there and Gollum was the cat. Um, Yeah. Bilbo is kind of the cat at least
0: in this scene. He's really—he's kind of playing with Smaug a little bit. He's—he is, and he's—it's almost like that—that that scene with Gollum was was practice that he needed to get, yeah, right, confident and to get kind of that boldness that he needed. He's not as rattled. I mean, he's a little rattled, I think, at the when his Bilbo in a frightened squeak, but he wasn't yeah. so frightened that he forgot what he wanted to do, which was to get a peek at the underbelly. Right.
1: Um, he keeps his composure for long enough to get to get the information he needs. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he he really wanted to get a closer look. You know, he'd mm-hmm. remembered I think his, his father's or it was his father's statement about uh you know, every dragon has a, a soft spot. Mm-hmm. So he really wanted to get that look. Uh and you know, yeah. he he says, Oh, it's perfect, it's flawless, but he's like, Whoa, wait a minute. There's yeah. a big old hole. You fool, there's a big hole there. Yeah. I love the the reference by the way, as bear is a snail out of its shell. It actually kinda reminds me of the thrush we just saw in the last chapter who was knocking snails against the gray stone breaking their shells to yeah, you, get to you the meat inside you mentioned that before we re-recorded we that was a that was yeah. an interesting
1: catch all i just thought of you know like sort of the literal snail out of its oh, shell yeah. thinking of you know something soft and vulnerable vulnerable something, yeah. something you can squash um but uh yeah the reminder of the thrush is kind of neat
0: yeah it's just i mean i don't know i don't know who intended that but i certainly hmm. thought about it only yeah. because we just saw that happening and Talked yeah. at length about snail anvils, which you know, there's a phrase I never thought I'd use in a hundred years. Snail, snail anvil, yeah. Yeah, certainly not knew.
1: twice in a couple of weeks. No, no, definitely or more than not. twice. I guess two, two, two separate mentions in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks.
0: So you know, we t- we talk about Bilbo being um, you know bold and and not afraid yeah. and and how cool that is, but he takes it a little bit too far, doesn't he? He goes <laughs> he goes too far here. He's starting to get he's starting to get a little too tookish
1: here, you know. Yeah, he's, yeah. And Smaug is. Smaug has warned him, you know, yeah. don't, don't, get, don't let your imagination run away with you. Um, but that's exactly what he's doing. He's just getting mm-hmm. too proud. Um, yeah. Amazingly, Smaug manages to be more foolish and proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and so that's how, you know, <laughs> Bilbo ends up winning that one um, <laughs> and gets the information he needs. But yeah. but then
0: what does he do? He makes his well, last, little, t- little, right. last, little last little... Right, it's that last little dig that's the, mm-hmm. the, the one that shows... Bilbo's gotten gotten too too proud, too confident yeah. in his riddling skills. You yeah. Know, just sneak away, you know? Yeah. Um
1: Well, that's that's where the cat and mouse thing becomes very apparent to me because he's really just yeah. messing with them at this point. You know? Yeah, he is. You know and so where's the line? Is and so do burglars.
0: Yep. Ponies um, take some catching after a long start. And so do burglars. Boop. I'm <laughs> out of here. You can ju- yeah, you can just see him like <laughs> like I those old cartoons with the the outline of his dust, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Shape a, and then yeah, it there's collapses. A,
1: there's a Bilbo-shaped dust cloud where he yeah, where he was yeah. a moment ago. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: but he learns from it. He you does. Know, he gets singed. He learns from it. He comes up with this neat little proverb, doesn't he? Never laugh at live dragons.
0: Yeah, I love that. Never laugh at live dragons, Bilbo, you fool. Yeah, I I love that we get a typical Tolkien spoiler that it became a favorite saying of his later. So, oh, so I guess he that tells us he's going to he, survive this. He's going to survive? Yeah. Not that you didn't know that, but um, Tolkien does that a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he, he does. He sort of tells us, oh, by the way, in future, you know, 50 years from now, he would do this. And you're like, oh, well, I guess he'll make it through. He kind of likes to have his cake and eat it, too, allowing himself to, to look at the story from,
1: you know, uh, many hundreds of years later, ages later, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, assuming that we know what's, what's ultimately going to happen, while also... Occasionally dipping into the thick of the action like he did last time with the,
2: yeah. you know, the
1: present tense. That's yeah, mean.
0: that's true. That's a good point. The pride of teasing the dragon like that, of, of giving him that little snark. Not smart, just, dude. Just an unwise decision. <laughs> not, but, not, not wise at all. No, but he did nope. make it out. Yep. Uh, we're very pleased to know that because he has some information, some yes. inside information. Yes. That's going to help down the road. Uh, Yes, In fact, I think you'll be telling us about that a little bit.
1: I shall, yeah. So he's just gotten out, he's all singed, he's frizzled right down to the skin, (laughs) and then I'll pick up. In the meanwhile, his friends did their best to cheer him up, and they were eager for his story, especially wanting to know why the dragon had made such an awful noise and how Bilbo had escaped. But the hobbit was worried and uncomfortable, and they had difficulty in getting anything out of him. On thinking things over, he was now regretting some of the things he had said to the dragon and was not eager to repeat them. The old thrush was sitting on a rock nearby with his head cocked on one side, listening to all that was said. It shows what an ill-temper Bilbo was in. He picked up a stone and threw it at the thrush, which merely fluttered aside and came back. Dread the bird, said Bilbo crossly. I believe he is listening, and I don't like the look of him. Leave him alone, said Thorin. The thrushes are good and friendly. This is a very old bird indeed, and is maybe the last left of the ancient breed that used to live about here, tamed to the hands of my father and grandfather. They were a long-lived and magical race, and this might even be one of those that were alive then, a couple of hundreds of years or more ago. The men of Dale used to have the trick of understanding their language, and use them for messengers to fly to the men of the lake and elsewhere. Well, he'll have news to take to Lake Town, all right, if that is what he is after," said Bilbo. Though I don't suppose there are any people left there that trouble with Thrush language. Why? What has happened? cried the dwarves. Do get on with your tale. So Bilbo told them all he could remember, and he confessed that he had a nasty feeling that the dragon guessed too much from his riddles, added to the camps and the ponies. Wow!
0: Yeah, yeah. That's not well a good just feeling get that out there, you no. know. To realize it's your fault that the yeah. entire city is about to get burned? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, initially he doesn't want to tell them I love this. He's regretting said. Not that I know firsthand, mind you. No. No, I don't. <laughs> but, that's, that's but I know what point.
1: it's like to feel like you've said, you know, you said something you shouldn't have said. And, yeah. You
0: know, oh, I definitely, you know, I know that hurt, feeling. You've
1: hurt somebody. You've hurt somebody yeah. or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've done that. And it's a terrible feeling. And you just, oh, I can't take it back. I, yeah. I can, I, I wish I could. And there's nothing yeah. you can do. You're powerless. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a terrible feeling, and I'm sure Bilbo's just sick to his stomach. No wonder he's frustrated. No wonder he oh, yeah. throws the rock at the at the thrush. At the poor thrush.
2: Who he's apparently has a I... plus
0: four to his dodge roll.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Like, how, how how would, me.
0: Thrushes probably have pretty high dexterity. Uh, birds, know? yeah. I'd imagine yeah, they have very sure. high dexterity. Yeah, Constitution like one, but you know. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is a bird, after all. Yeah. Intelligence of, what, three? Well, these are speaking ones. So these are smart them... thrushes. Yeah, this, these yeah. are
1: definitely smarter yeah. than, than than your, your barbarian character that we were talking about earlier.
0: <laughs> Good point. I do love Thorne's explanation of the thrushes, though. This is where we yeah, finally really get some cool. information to dig in on on the their help that they give, mm-hmm. uh, their role, and even the fact yeah. that this one, I know we said, oh, it must have been the son or grandson of that one, but... But I, Thorin does tell Thorin us here, says doesn't this he? Could this could be been, one that was
1: alive. Yeah, they were a long-lived That's magical amazing. race. So
0: yeah. I, I had forgotten that detail when we talked yeah, about this. Yeah, so, I, I had too. Uh, uh the a single thrush could be 200 years old.
1: 200 years old or more, wow. yeah.
0: Uh and that they could and communicate back with, with, the, with men the men of Dale. Dale. I love that. Yeah. I, of course I love I love that detail because there's
1: a bit more of that um you know that animal speech that we yes, talked about before with yes. Bayorn and the eagles. Um, and I want to talk more about this when, when we actually get to Bard, because the mm-hmm. the dragon slayer talking to birds is kind of a classic uh, mythological ah, yeah. trope that yeah, I want to dive is. into
0: another yeah. time. When we meet Bard. When we meet Bard. When, when we first meet Bard. Yes. Um, interesting, though, that Bilbo observes that there's probably nobody left there that troubles with fresh language. And, you know, he's, he makes a point. You know, one of the things he probably remembers is the kind of the fact that nobody there believed the dragon Nobody anymore. remembered their history, yeah, right, yeah. right. And so, if nobody remembers their history, why would they remember how to talk with yeah. birds? Yeah, so a, it's a good point. It's a reasonable
1: assumption. Yeah, it doesn't happen to be true, but it is a reasonable no. assumption.
0: Well, except that it does, because the thrush doesn't speak. It's own. It's not as though the minute that it is not as though.
1: Oh, did the thrush Bard actually speak?
0: understands thrush speech so much as the thrush, the thrush, is, thrush is able to, to speak the language? that bard speaks well that's a technicality come on <laughs> well i mean in other words, i don't have to learn how to speak thrush yeah. language if the thrush yeah. comes to me and Fair says enough. hey dude what's up you know yeah, I, no, I don't have no, to no, learn no, you're his right language. you're right you're right fine yeah you're right just all minute. right that that sounds <laughs> so say. good i'm gonna record that and make that a stinger you're right yeah. you're right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it won't it won't happen often no it won't no no except Broker for every time we now. agree which is Almost Almost every time. That's true. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) I I do love after that confession that Balin is the one who Balin comes up and actually yeah I love that good old Balin. He's such a great. The more we read, the more I love Balin. He's such a yeah just a kindly character and he's always in Bilbo's corner. He really is. You know. He really is. Uh, And you know and and like he tells him, I think you did well. Uh, You found out one Mm -hmm. useful thing and you know, frankly, it's, That's you're super lucky cool. to be alive. Yeah. So That's super um, cool. He really did not have to say that. You no, know,
1: He, he could didn't. have just said, oh, you know, they're, they're there, Bilbo. It'll be fine. But right. No, I like, well, no, he, hey,
0: you did Yeah, he gives specifics and says, you did really well. Yeah. Um, um, and, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and pick up right after that. Okay. That turned the conversation, and they all begin discussing dragon slayings, historical, dubious, and mythical and the various sorts of stabs and jabs and undercuts, (laughs) and the different arts, devices, and stratagems by which they had been accomplished. The general opinion was that catching a dragon napping was not as easy as it sounded, and the attempt to stick one or prod one asleep was more likely to end in disaster than a bold frontal attack. All the while they talked, the thrush listened, till at last, when the stars began to peep forth, it silently spread its wings and flew away and all the while they talked and the shadows lengthened, Bilbo became more and more unhappy, and his foreboding grew. At last he interrupted them. "'I'm sure we are very unsafe here,' he said, "'and I don't see the point of sitting here. The dragon has withered all the pleasant green, and anyway the night is come and it is cold. But I feel it in my bones that this place will be attacked again. Smaug knows now how I came down to his hall, and you can trust him to guess where the other end of the tunnel is.' He will break all this side of the mountain to bits if necessary to stop up our entrance. And if we are smashed with it, the better he will like it. <laughs> He's right. And yeah. even though Thorne kind of dismisses him, well, you're gloomy. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Why just are you so grouchy, man? Come on. I g- Smell my singed hair, Thorne. You might understand then why I'm kind of <laughs>
1: gloomy. Yeah.
0: You killjoy. Um, Seriously.
1: I, I love, though, I that... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to go back to the <laughs> they, beginning and talk about the...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they discuss varial, various real and mythical ways of killing dragons. Yeah, there's They just start busting out the stories. Right. Well, there's two things I love about this. First of all, there's um, some
1: really cool triads here. Um, yes. Historical, dubious, and mythical. Love that. Stabs and jabs and undercuts. Yep. Arts, devices, and stratagems. I just think that's that's a lot of fun. It's just some of that rhythmic language that Tolkien works in there just to make yes. it just, just fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but the thing I really love about this is these dwarves are just sitting around talking about these things like they know what they're talking about. Exactly. Uh, it's all just talk. None of them it's has any talk. idea how to it's kill a, a dragon. They probably know some stories, but, you know, what, maybe they know the story of Turin.
0: Maybe. Um, I mean, undercut maybe they, that made me think of that because, you know, he came yeah, from underneath definitely. and stabbed him from the bottom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, they probably know a few stories, but... they. None of these guys they has any. They... they don't know. They don't know any more about how to kill a dragon than you or I do. No. no. In fact, we might know more because we might know the story of Turin bar better than they do. That is
0: quite possible.
1: <laughs> but I'm not going to test that anytime soon. No, by going I, out no and I'm not. trying to kill I sh- a dragon. I, sh-
0: I shall not. Um, so I just there's love that. There's a lot that. of it's... things Turin did that I'm not going to do. <laughs> no, there's quite
1: a few things that we don't need to repeat. But I just love that they sit around like they like again. It's yeah. Um, yeah. Just as Thorin is all um, bloviating and blustery, these dwarves are just kind of like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him one of these. And
0: here, well, you know, it's just you can just imagine. <laughs> I'm gonna give the him one for, and I'm gonna yeah, right, right. It makes you think of that moment in the film with uh, with Nori. You know, I'll give him a taste of dwarven steel. You know, right? Sure, you. Oh, will. right. Yeah. You're just you're yeah, yeah. Go back, go back to belching the alphabet or whatever it is you're doing in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: Well, man, I don't, I really, That's I don't so really remember so
0: much of, of that movie. I just yeah, well, it's it's better when you don't have an eidetic memory, really, it truly is. Yeah. Not that I have one, I just know it's better if you don't. <laughs> Even if you're partway there, it's worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so,
1: so, so let's see,
0: the thrush flies away. Right, so... So then uh, then they move inside, right, Bilbo, yeah. with his gloomy words. Um, yes. And so they they do. They do move back Old in. Old Debbie Downer here says we Old should Debbie go inside Downer. before the dragon comes and kills us. That's right. So they get back down and they keep on talking. And now they talk about something else, right?
1: Yeah, they do. Okay. The talk turned to the dragon's wicked words about the dwarves. Bilbo wished he had never heard them or at least that he could feel quite certain that the dwarves now were absolutely honest when they declared that they had never thought at all about what would happen after the treasure had been won. "'We knew it would be a desperate venture,' said Thorin. "'And we know that still. And I still think that when we have won, it will be time enough to think what to do about it. As for your share, Mr. Baggins, I assure you we are more than grateful, and you shall choose your own fourteenth, as soon as we have anything to divide.' I am sorry if you are worried about transport, and I admit the difficulties are great. The lands have not become less wild with the passing of time, rather the reverse. But we will do whatever we can for you, and take our share of the cost when the time comes. Believe me or not, as you
0: like. I like that. That's a nice moment
1: for Thorin. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Thorin's just like, look, all I can do is tell you what we'll do. You're going to have to choose whether to believe us or not. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, he certainly offers to help out with with transport uh you know certainly mm-hmm. if if it's going to cost them a little bit to to get that that yeah 14th of the treasure safely home um, And Thorne really seems to be
1: sincere about this you know yeah, I think I think, he, so. I think
0: he really is being Yeah he's not about trying this. to pull a fast one over him and no, just you know no, snow him
1: No no yeah um, You can you can almost hear um a little bit of hurt in in some of his words Yeah um you know I'm sorry if you're worried about transport I admit the difficulties are great you know he's Right he's he's it's like He's finally acknowledging that this is yeah. something they hadn't thought about. And you can kind of, I don't know. I just, I feel yeah, like a little
0: regret for maybe not figuring like it out a earlier. Regret. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and maybe a little hurt when he, he feels like, you know, Bilbo doesn't trust him or, you yeah, well, mistrust him a little bit. When
0: you talk to a dragon for a while, you, you might not trust somebody too. Oh, know? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Dragon's good at that. But now after that, the talk changes again, right? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and pick up the next, uh, the next paragraph. From that, the talk turned to the Great Horde itself and of the things that Thorn and Balin remembered. They wondered if they were still lying there unharmed in the hall below. The spears that were made for the armies of the great king Plydorthan, long since dead, each had a thrice-forged head, and their shafts were inlaid with cunning gold, but they were never delivered or paid for. Shields made for warriors long dead. The great golden cup of Thror, two-handed, hammered and carven with birds and flowers, whose eyes and petals were of jewels, coats of mail, gilded and silvered and impenetrable. The necklace of Geryon, Lord of Dale, made of five hundred emeralds green as grass, which he gave for the arming of his eldest son in a coat of dwarf-linked rings, the like of which had never been made before, for it was wrought of pure silver to the power and strength of triple steel. But fairest of all, was the great white gem, which the dwarves had found beneath the roots of the mountain, the heart of the mountain, the Arkenstone of Thrain? There you go. Wow.
1: What a what a cool list of... I love that. Yeah. You, you know what this makes me think of? I'm just now thinking about this. Um, mm-hmm. This makes me think of an epic catalog. Yeah. You know, like in the Iliad, there's like the catalog of ships, like the Yeah. Yeah, some, you're like right. 10 pages of listing like all the different ships and who's the captains and who's on them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of like that. It's like this really yeah. long epic list of uh treasures. amazing yeah. objects, amazing treasures. And man, I want to know so much more about every one of these.
0: I know. <laughs> and we will talk about some of them, but yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, by the way, this is the first time in the text that the Arkenstone is ever mentioned.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: You know, I think the movie made it such a central thing from the get-go that mm-hmm. it's easy to forget that this is the first time it's ever brought up. So, mm-hmm. just yeah. saying.
1: Yeah, and um, well, and the movie gave it so much like, like it was the the symbol of kingship and all that. It really was, right? It, you know, what you really see here is it's really it's a beautiful gem. It's something that they treasured, but oh yeah, like it wasn't like exactly the I can't remember exactly what it wasn't. You know, like it was. Yeah, the king's that jewel. Was the and recognition, the recognition of the divine the king's right. right to rule. Yeah, divine like, right
0: to and, rule. Uh, yeah, and, and like Professor Drought said, there is no divine right to rule. Right, this is, right. what are you talking about? Right. Um, but anyway, I don't want to bash, I'm not here to bash the movies.
1: No, but it's an interesting, um, it is an interesting thing to point out that, you know, this is the yeah. first time we're hearing of the Arkenstone. For those of us yeah. who know the movie, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, we had not, <laughs> we did not get to it before this point.
0: No, and that's really important. It's surprising, it's a little jarring. It is, it is. Um, but let's go ahead. You know what? I, I know. I'd love to spend time talking about all of these things. Uh, the, the necklace of gear. I can't. A uh, uh, five hundred emeralds. I know, man. That's that's incredible. Beautiful, must that have been? Yeah. But um, but we are going to talk. I even
1: want to know about the coat of the coat of rings that they made for his son, which isn't even here. Now. Yeah, it was given to yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah. But no, we incredible. we really want to talk about this. This name that the Spears of the great king, blah, 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 Bladorthin. <laughs> Bladorthin. Because we've been saying that name a lot on this podcast, but not we have. in this context.
0: No, that's true, because up until recently, I think like 12 pages in the typescript earlier, uh, Bladorthin, or Bladderthin, if you prefer, uh, was the name of the wizard. I do not and prefer Gandalf thank was you. the name. Of, <laughs> I do not prefer. <laughs> Somehow though that sounds like it might be like a um, I don't know like the failed product name after a focus group of uh, you know like an adult diaper or something <laughs> bladderfins. See I, I, I think of it as like
1: a prescription medication you know like a like a diuretic, like a diuretic you know ask your doctor ask if bladderfins right for you
0: is for you <laughs> Ask your dwarf king oh, if bladderfins is right for you. Oh that's funny. Uh, side effects include growth of facial hair, uh, even in women. <laughs> Dehydration, <laughs> death.
2: <laughs> wait a minute! What? No, no, no thank you.
0: <laughs> that always cracks me up when you hear that on a on a commercial for some medication. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, side it's effects like, may include rash, yeah. headaches, vomiting, and death. Yeah, it's like <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, like, what?
1: Well, I was taking it for my rash, but I might get a rash and I might also die. So, you know. Well, you know, at least I'll die without a rash. <laughs> I will have the clearest skin I've had in life. That's, once I am in death,
0: that, and yeah, once I'm not in life anymore, <laughs>
1: we digress. We
0: we we definitely quite seriously. It's not digress. exactly what they mean when they um, say die fa- die early and leave a good-looking corpse. <laughs> no, I don't think that's at all what they mean. Oh my goodness, <laughs>
1: your fatal oh. rash cream. Anyway, let's let's move so, along. Oh.
0: So here's the thing. Uh, so, you know, we, we'd used the name uh, Bladorthan earlier to describe the wizard because Gandalf that was the name given to the leader of the right. dwarves. And only at the point in the typescript where they got to Lake Town and Thorin says, I am Thorin, son of and son of Thror. That's the first time that he wasn't Gandalf. Right. And that was when Tolkien discarded that idea and gave the name Gandalf to the wizard. So what did he do with Blad- uh, Bladorthan? He gave him to this guy, and we know next to nothing about him. Didn't want to lose the name, but we don't get anything about him, do we? No. No. What we know of Blood is, well, thin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is literally (laughs) all we get. Uh, Whoever he was, he was a king who had died long before, but had placed an order for some really cool spears, but didn't pay his invoice. Quite possibly because he died. (laughs) Right. Yeah,
1: that's that's about all we've got. I mean, we really, we have to go to the etymology, and we do know a little bit about that uh, to get any information about him. When I say we know, I should say John Ratliff knows, and we can oh, read yeah. his book. Um, Tolkien go. never explained the meaning, of course, because it's just a you know one and done mention. But right, uh, Ratliff why, is why actually, bother. yeah, and Ratliff has actually dug deep into um, you know some of the lexicons that are published in the linguistic journals. Um, and while I, I won't read the entire like one or two no. page note on this, um, he he basically <laughs> no, came up with no. the idea that uh, blador uh, probably applies to wide open country. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, thin, the element thin, means gray. And and that's one we know, yeah. like from Thingol. Yeah, right, that's, that's much, more, much more familiar right. to us, right? So Ratliff says the simplest translation would be the gray country. Uh, alternatively, if we stress the or element, blood or thin, then this becomes gray plains Fay, or even gray master of the plains, which is starting hmm. to get kind of interesting because when you start to think about yeah. gray master of the plains, yeah, maybe you can start to think about... Uh, you're not too far from Grey Wanderer at that point. Well, that's true. And, and maybe that kind of puts you in mind in Ga- of Gandalf a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's really all we've got is just this this etymology for this name. Yeah. Um, and nothing else. So there's been a lot of speculation about who or what he was. Um, there there are some Tolkien scholars who mm-hmm. think he was an elven king. Yeah. Um, some others think that he was a man, maybe even a man of Dale, maybe even a king of Dale. Mm-hmm. Um. There's just—I mean, there's just a wide range of theories and, unfortunately, not a whole lot to support any of them. No.
0: No, there really isn't. I mean, I personally—I cannot buy that he was an elven king. Uh, All the elf kingdoms are accounted for at this time. Uh, And he's not named in in any, you know, elvish—there's just not enough kingdoms for us to think— Well, that, you know, there's some hidden elf kingdom. No, there isn't. We know where all the elves are. They're all accounted for. I Um, mean, unless it was somewhere back east,
1: but then, you know, off the map. But then it's like we don't really even know anything about those places. Right, right. It's just there's nothing to base it on. You're you're speculating based on nothing at that point.
0: Right. Um, But I think the thing that really kind of gets me is that we get this generic king. He was just a king rather than an elven king. You know, Thranduil, even though he wasn't named, is the elven king. Even in the description of of uh, Thranduil when they're talking about Thingol, the old elven king, he's referred to as the elven king. Mm, yeah. So I kind of get the feeling that he's not an elven king. Or we would have heard that he's the elven king, the great elven Lydorthan king. And the right. elven
1: king or something like right, that. Right, yeah.
0: right, right. Um, yeah. The generic king makes me think that he's supposed to be a familiar thing. Like, um, frankly, I, that's why I think he's a man. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you could maybe wonder if he's a dwarf, but... I don't think so. Why would the why would a dwarf get weapons from another dwarf? Why don't he just forge them himself? It's also not very likely because it, it, it is an elven name. I mean, that's the thing. That's why right. you would think initially elf, right? But a dwarf wouldn't name a dwarven king wouldn't take an elvish name.
1: No, no. But it a man, a and the
0: king name. of men might. But it, right, that's absolutely yeah. true. Absolutely. I mean, they do. Yeah. We see that all the time uh, mm-hmm. in in certainly in Gondor. Uh, yeah. We see men, you know, royalty taking yeah. elvish names. So. I'm thinking I think, man. I think that makes sense. I, I yeah. think that
1: makes sense. I, I'm I'm also leaning towards man. Um the thing I notice is, you know, where it says he's long since dead.
0: Yeah, yeah that's while, true too. That'd know, be
1: unusual for an elf. Elves can certainly be killed, but the fact that we're not told what happened to him, it doesn't right. say anything about King Bloodorthan who was slain and the blah blah blah. Um, you know, he just died. Well that tells me yeah. he was probably mortal. Um yeah. and therefore that's a man. Point. But um yeah. so yeah, that's I'm about as you. far as we can get though. That's huh? That really is it. I mean, yeah, probably out there with Queen Beruthiel somewhere,
0: <laughs>
1: being mysterious. He, he might, maybe that's what he was. Maybe he was like an old lover of Queen Beruthiel
0: or something. I don't know. Oh, that's just too weird, <laughs> isn't it? Though? Second age. Yeah, no, I, I can't go there.
1: <laughs> I don't. No, he he definitely does no. not seem to be that old. I don't think the. I don't think Erebor no, was no, there no. in the second age. It was actually founded oh, no, at some point definitely in some third wasn't. age.
0: Seventeen. That
1: might be something to look up.
0: Maybe yeah, for a we'll look script, that up. But he, but he
1: definitely wasn't but involved. It did, in no, movie. he really is not. That was that a old. joke. It's just that was yeah. It was absolutely a joke. Just uh, my
0: co-host was just joking, folks. He it's doesn't it's actually a reference to that. the fact that they are both textual ruins. There you as go, Professor. Job That's might say. the thing. That's exactly right. So back into the text of the chapter, you know, we get these other things that we just can't go into. There's no details on no. the shields for these warriors, or you know, there's no more detail on the great golden cup of Thror. I do love the detail we get on the necklace of Girion, but. That's all we get. That's all
1: we get, uh, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, the description of the Arkenstone. Um, I'm going to have you read a passage here.
1: Yeah. And I think we'll, I
0: think we'll wait probably until we actually get to the Arkenstone. We actually yeah, say
1: yeah, it yeah. before that's, we really talk. We'll the talk head. more okay.
0: about that. Cool. Because that's really going to be a pretty lengthy sidebar. We can talk about the in, yeah. the, um, uh, the influence of the Silmaril on the, on the design of the Arkenstone, and and yep. that, that sort of thing. Sounds good. All right. Well, then I think that takes it to my next
1: passage. Right below Thorne's comment about the Arkenstone. Mm -hmm. But the enchanted desire of the Horde had fallen from Bilbo. All through their talk, he was only half listening to them. He sat nearest to the door, with one ear cocked for any beginnings of a sound without. His other was alert for echoes beyond the murmurs of the dwarves, for any whisper of a movement from far below. Darkness grew deeper, and he grew ever more uneasy. Shut the door, he begged them. I fear that dragon in my marrow. I like this silence far less than the uproar of last night. Shut the door before it is too late. Something in his voice gave the dwarves an uncomfortable feeling. Slowly, Thorin shook off his dreams, and getting up, he kicked away the stone that wedged the door. Then they thrust upon it, and it closed with a snap and a clang. No trace of a keyhole was there left on the inside. They were shut in the mountain and not a moment too soon. They had hardly gone any distance down the tunnel when a blow smote the side of the mountain like the crash of battering rams made of forest oaks and swung by giants. Mm. The rock boomed, the walls cracked, and stones fell from the roof on their heads. What would have happened if the door had still been open, I don't like to think. My goodness.
0: I like that little narr- that fourth wall break there at the end.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, yeah. I don't like
0: to think what would have happened if the door had been open.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What a moment. Bilbo sort of the only one with the presence of mind to like remind him, "Hey, let's let's close the door, please," because And he's not
0: even basing it on any actual measurable evidence. He just it's just a feeling. Just admits. a hunch, yeah. And again, that kind of points to the significance of fate and luck and mm-hmm. right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and and we get that sort of underscored by the fact that they close the door not
1: a moment too soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like almost immediately, they hadn't mm-hmm. gone hardly down the down the path. Yep. I like this moment that they're finally in the mountain now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Bilbo was yeah. previously the only one, well, and Balin, sort of, <laughs> just right, yeah. right there yep. on the on the door. Just, yeah, exactly, a few mm-hmm. yards. Mm-hmm. But Corey Olson puts it this way: He says, "In anxiety and great fear, cowering in the dark and dreading sudden death, Thorin has finally re-entered his ancient home. The mm-hmm. king out of the mountain has returned." Wow, not quite nice. exactly what he wanted to to have as his return to his home, his ancestral home. Uh, but that's it. I mean, he's there. It's not exactly the circumstances under which he wanted it, but welcome home. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're here now, and now you're stuck here. Yeah, you
1: can't get which out. Is a Pretty big deal. You can't get out. The keyhole. There is no keyhole on the inside. They can't. Yeah, they can't even see that door.
0: And in fact, now that whole area is just gone. I mean, yeah. Smaug's out there just destroying Yeah, that whole doorstep everything. area has been destroyed, hasn't it? Yeah. The scorched grass, the thrush of stone, it's all gone. Disappeared in a... Has <laughs> Tolkien, I love his use of words like this. In a jumble of smithereens.
2: Mm, there you go. Well, that's there's awesome. not A, a word yeah. you
0: see in everyday use. but uh, Yeah. And now we'll find out how that happened. All right. Smaug had left his lair in silent stealth, quietly soared into the air, and then floated heavy and slow in the dark like a monstrous crow down the wind towards the west of the mountain in the hopes of catching unawares something or somebody there and of spying the outlet to the passage which the thief had used. This was the outburst of his wrath when he could find nobody and see nothing, even where he guessed the outlet must actually be. After he had let off his rage in this way, he felt better and he thought in his heart that he would not be troubled again from that direction. In the meanwhile, he had
2: further vengeance to take. Beryl Rider," he snorted, your feet came from the waterside, and up the water you came without a doubt. I don't know your smell, but if you were not one of those men of the lake, you had their help. They shall see me and remember who is the real king under the mountain. He rose in fire
0: and went away south towards the running river. There you have it. Well, that is a wonderful place to settle so, Chapter, I got to say, it really is. What a moment! You know, Smaug doesn't even know that this is the entrance, but he figures this is the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah. a smart dragon, uh, and so he just smashes well, it to you know, bits. He, I mean, he he knew that there was you know that little hole that he had never really
1: bothered to deal with. You know, yep. Um, so yeah, he's he's smart so enough. He to knew where that it out. went
0: out. I mean, you know, it's a straight line. He knows dwarves don't build. Too many curved passages, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know he he he's like hmm. Well, yeah. let me think. So you know he, he gets frustrated not finding yeah. things. So he starts just having a tantrum and smashes the side of the mountains. That's not, bits and not then, something you want to be uh, around for a dragon. Tantrum. No, no, dragon tantrums are not. No. You know, there's not much you can do to stop no. those. But uh, but then that then we see where Bilbo's Bilbo's big mouth. yeah, um, yeah Bilbo's big mouth
1: puts Lake Town in serious jeopardy yeah. here. He remembers Barrel Rider. He knew, you know, and he even said when he first heard it, you know, he had already figured out enough of what Barrel Rider might mean. Yeah. Um, And so that's why he goes towards Lake Town. And, um, you know, he he concludes correctly, even if you're not from Lake Town, you had their help. You had their help. And
0: And it's true. They did. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: But, boy, you got to feel bad for Bilbo. Oh, yeah. Knowing that he will have caused that. Yeah. You know, not caused it, but triggered it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for our chapter discussion today, folks. But as always, we ask you to stick around. We have some some more good stuff coming up in Barnum's bag. Yeah, you're going to want to wait around for that.
1: We've actually got an awesome question today about Dragon's dietary needs. But first, an
0: announcement. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that if you're listening to us and this isn't the first time that you've listened to us, you know we've been invited to Mood 5 as special guests. Taking place June of this year, just a few months from now, and it's an incredible opportunity. And it's an opportunity we're both really excited
1: about because we're going to be doing something really special. We're going to be doing a live episode broadcast from Mythmoot in the main room. We're going to be because we
0: are crazy. (laughs) Really?
3: I mean, that's just,
1: woo. Yeah, live. The live thing is, uh, yeah, we'll get it figured out. We have a couple of months. But uh, (laughs) we're we're going to be the only event in our time slot. So everyone will be Mm -hmm. there to see us uh, either pull this off or not, Um, unless they're taking a nap. Unless they they're taking a nap, which okay. everybody might say, oh, Prancing Pony podcast is at that time. That's when I'm going to get my nap. Um, <laughs> no, don't do that. It's going to be a lot no, of fun. We'll be joined by be. some special guests, uh, including John Garth, Corey Olson, as well as Douglas Anderson and Mark Ockrand.
0: And the show will air live on Facebook at the time of the event. That's 1 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday, June 23rd. And it should also be released the next day as Episode 88. And if we stay on schedule, that's going to be happening right as we're wrapping up The Hobbit and getting ready for Season 3. Now, MythMood is generously covering our event registration and meals, but we still have to find a way to get there and stay there for a few days. Thankfully, we have raised over $1,000 through our recent t-shirt campaign, and that covers both of our airfare. So now we hope that you'll help out with
1: lodging expenses by joining the Fellowship of the Podcast. That's our Patreon family at patreon.com slash prancingponypod. We were never planning to do a live episode from a moot until we got to our next (laughs) goal, but we just could not turn this opportunity down.
0: And we we hope you understand that. We we know you understand that. We know you do. And as always, we trust you to help us make it happen. In fact, some of you have already done more than your fair share to help make it happen. We've had several people sign on recently at the higher tiers, and we want to thank each of you very much. We're grateful for all you've done and for all that the rest of our Patreon family has done, because thanks to each of you, and I do mean each of you, we've been able to make some big improvements to the show, including the move to weekly episodes that we did back in October. Now, of course, to make joining the Patreon family worth your while, we have some really fun rewards like exclusive content.
1: Like our postscripts to each episode. Now, you know what these are. You've heard us talk about them before. Mm -hmm. After we record each episode, we listen to it before it releases to see if we left out anything, any. Good insights, good jokes, bad jokes, horrible mistakes. (laughs) We put those into a postscript, usually about 10 or so minutes, and that's available to our Patreon supporters.
0: And we usually release those postscripts on the same day that their related episode gets out. So if you want access to those bonuses, be sure to join the fellowship of the podcast. Next up, though, we want to give a very special shout out to our patrons at the Kierdans Contribution Tier. Demay in Alaska, James in Virginia, Tamsin in Minnesota. Don from Vancouver Island, and Emily from Texas. Thank you all. Now, if you want a personalized shout-out on our episodes, well, you know where to go. But we don't want you to feel obligated by any
1: means. We would love for you to consider signing up for the Fellowship of the Podcast, but only if you can afford it, and only if you think we've earned it, frankly. Uh, We know some of you Mm -hmm. can't, and you choose to support us in other ways, which we are very grateful for. So, even if you can't join us on Patreon, please keep enjoying the podcast. We'll keep making it. That's right. So, Alan, I know we want to get on with Barlaman's bag now, and
0: I think you drew the first straw. So do you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, we're going to start with a question from Shea in Israel. This one's been in the bag for a few months, but we've been waiting for now to bring it up. In episode 57, you talked about Gandalf and Thorin's discussion about the secret passage to the Lonely Mountain and the possibility that Smaug might already have discovered it. Now, remember that Thorin says it's probably not secret any longer. He says old Smaug has lived there long enough now to find out anything there is to know about those caves— to which Gandalf replies that even if he knows about it, he can't have used it because it's too small. Five feet high the door and three may walk abreast, say the runes, but Smaug couldn't creep into a hole that size, not even when he was a young dragon, certainly not after devouring so many of the dwarves and men of Dale. Shea's question basically boils down to this. Uh, it, it's been a long time since Smaug ate all those dwarves and Dale men, 171 years. Why is his belly still so big? Do we know anything <laughs> about dragons' growth rate or their metabolism? Do they grow only after eating? And if so, how fast or is it dependent on age like all other creatures? Well, this is a fun one. I mean, I think maybe he just doesn't have
1: room to get a dragon-sized treadmill into his mountain lair.
0: <laughs> well, even if he did, who's going to deliver it? I mean, maybe he could place an order with, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods in Lake Town, but they're going to just leave it on the doorstep. I don't I don't see him tipping the delivery guys to set it up inside. He's- not much of a tipper. Smaug isn't. Um, no, no. Or may- His only tip is not
1: eating you. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will let you live. Um, or maybe he just can't burn many
0: calories when he sleeps all day and only leaves the house to get takeout. <laughs> well, all joking aside, and really, we could be here all day, Tolkien being Tolkien, we don't really know anything about Dragon's growth no. rate or metabolism or diet. Uh, you know, we do know that their growth is seems to be partly a function of their age because of Gandalf's comment that he couldn't fit through it even when he was young, Right. which certainly implies that young dragons are smaller than than old ones. ones. Yeah, that makes sense. I think what really happened is this. He was young when he overtook Erebor and destroyed Dale. He was still growing. Yeah. Maybe he was going through dragon puberty.
1: I mean, (laughs) I sure felt like destroying a town and stealing some gold every day when I was
0: 13. (laughs) I'm sorry. Dragon puberty. (laughs) You know... (laughs) Who didn't feel like destroying a town? Right. Thirteen. So, okay, fine. Smaug was young. He uh, loads up on protein, thanks to the <laughs> hairy protein, <laughs> thanks to the Dwarves and Men of Dale. It's the beards, uh, and he has a growth spurt. It's the beards. That's right. Get those out of my teeth. If he wasn't small <laughs> enough to get through the secret passage before, well, after this growth spurt, he certainly wasn't small and enough.
1: That seems reasonable to me. I mean, I think that's that's definitely our answer within Tolkien's universe. Um, sure. I, you sure. Know, I also, I, I also kind of want to take a step back and just think that um, I think Tolkien maybe was just leaving a little Easter egg for some of his philologist friends. You know, he, he did this sometimes. Yeah, R- yeah. Remember what we discussed last episode about the origin of the name Smaug. Um, mm-hmm. Letter 25, Tolkien said, The dragon bears as a name, a pseudonym, the past tense of the primitive Germanic verb smugan, to squeeze through a hole. Tolkien said, A low philological jest. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of another dragon story he wrote, Farmer Giles of Ham, which was oh, full yeah. of all – it's full of all these linguistic jokes that you kind of have to be a philologist to get. Um, I kind of think Tolkien's just making a joke here. You know, his name – if Smaug's yeah. name means squeezed through a hole or crept through a hole, something to that effect. Um, here's Gandalf right. making the observation that he, he couldn't creep through a hole that size. So –
0: you know that is typical Tolkien—an obtuse joke that only three people in the world might get at first. it's <laughs> right. still funny until
1: someone explains it, and then we, and then we,
0: you know, we yeah. all understand it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was a great question, Shay. Thank you for that. one. Yeah,
1: thank you, Shay. And now we've got a question from uh, a, a good friend of mine, actually, Emily in Austin, Texas. Um, she wrote into us recently to say, in the chapter, and. Uh, gonna paraphrase a little bit in the chapter inside information which of course we've just finished reading um yep before bilbo heads for the second time into a now furious smaug's lair he says to the craven mostly useless dwarves and those are all emily <laughs> emily's words which is i think partly why she and i are such good friends um <laughs> he, says, he says to the craven mostly useless dwarves perhaps something will turn up every worm has his weak spot as my father used to say though i am sure it was not from personal experience Now, Emily says, you've been addressing the breakdown of the Baggins throughout Bilbo's journey, but perhaps what's truly important is the balancing of Baggins and Took. Bilbo's father was a Baggins, and as Bilbo is set to show up the dwarves' lack of courage, the hobbit's mind turns to his Baggins' side. At the same time, he acknowledges that old Bungo would not have gotten that knowledge firsthand. Maybe Bungo was quoting Belladonna or his (laughs) father-in-law.
0: Good point there. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um,
1: true. The importance of his, Baggins' father, to Bilbo, as he does some of the most Tookish work he has yet accomplished, caught my imagination. Hmm. Going on, Emily says, Tolkien addresses the balance between fate and luck and choice, or fate and luck on one hand, and choice on the other hand, throughout the, Hab- the Hobbit. You've also pointed out other dichotomies the professor's work discusses, like hope and despair, light and dark. Here's my question. What do you think about the concept that Bilbo's journey is toward balance? in this novel alone, as well as in the rest of his story? Hmm. Uh, awesome question. And, yeah, um, really and she's is. actually asked a few other further questions about this in relation to the one ring and, um, and the larger story that I, I think I want to save for a little later. Um, but, uh, but um, this one alone, I think is a really good one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for now, then the question on the table is this, is Bilbo's journey really to find the balance between his toque and bag side rather than just finding his inner toque? Yeah. I think that's the question in front of us. And yeah.
1: And I think the answer is uh, yes, I think it is to some degree. Yeah. Um, I think we've probably spent um, a lot of time, maybe too much time celebrating those Tookish moments. And we tend to see the Baggins moments in a different light. You know, those are the moments when he's scared or he's uncomfortable he wishes he was back at home eating bacon.
0: Um, <laughs> well, who doesn't,
1: right? <laughs> um, but I think there there is probably some truth to Emily's idea that what Bilbo needs is to find the balance, and I think hmm. this chapter gives us a really good example of that. Um, when he's at his most Tookish, which is riddling with the dragon, that's when right. he gets cocky, and that's when he gives away too much information. And as we've discussed, you know that that too much information induces Smaug to take his revenge out on Lake Town, which you know yep. causes death and destruction that, you know, that obviously was so far from Bilbo's intent. Sure. I I think what Tolkien's showing us is that just like too much Baggins nature can be a bad thing because, you know, maybe it's stuffy and boring and predictable and lacking in, you know, romance and fantasy. I Mm -hmm. think he's saying that too much Took nature can also be bad. It's it's reckless. It can cause a lot of damage. It's probably something that a man whose last name meant foolhardy, and of course I'm talking about the professor himself, Tolkien, <laughs>
0: um,
1: he probably knew that quite well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, without a doubt. I mean, we talk about finding the toque, but that's because the toque is nearly non-existent at the beginning of the book. Bilbo has to find his inner toque in order to survive and succeed in his adventures. Yeah. But he can't go too far. Not only is comfort at home part and parcel of the nature of a hobbit, the fact is if he gets too Tookish. He becomes a danger to himself and others. Yeah, that's true. Thank you to Shay and Emily. And folks, that almost wraps it up for another episode of the Prancing Pony podcast, but we are going to ask you to stick around for just a couple more minutes. Uh, As always, thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to having you join us again next time when we begin Chapter 13 of The Hobbit. And that's when Bilbo finally convinces the dwarves to, you know,
1: come deeper inside this mountain they've been talking so much about.
0: (laughs) Gee, you think? Folks, we uh, invite you to please check out the official library tab on our website, theprancingponypodcast.com. We've got links to everything from inexpensive paperbacks to some really good stuff for your Tolkien collection.
1: And in the meantime, if you wouldn't mind heading over to iTunes for us and leaving a review, we'd really be grateful. Those reviews help us get more visibility in iTunes, and that just grows our community
0: of Tolkien lovers. Yep, it absolutely does. And thanks to those of you who have, by the way. We do still read every single one of them, Everyone? and we really do appreciate all the nice things you say about us.
1: And we've now started picking out one special review every week to feature on our social media networks. It's just our little way of saying thank you for leaving a review. So if you'd like to see your name or your alias and lights
0: on our pages, now it's easy. Just leave us a review. Absolutely. And make sure you never miss an episode of the Prance Pony podcast by subscribing to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can find us in most any podcast directory, including Spotify now. And we want to thank
1: all of you who've become part of our social media family. We set out to start a talking conversation that everyone could join, which is why we have our online common room on Facebook at The Prancing Pony Podcast, on Twitter at Prancing Pony Pod, and on Instagram at Prancing Pony Pod.
0: One last thing, as always, don't forget to send your thoughts, comments, and most of all, your favorite flattering terms to use on an enraged dragon. Mm, to one. Parliament at theprancingponypodcast.com. That's our new email address, or new this season, so it's not really new anymore. But uh, still take note, barlimen at Podcast.com. We'll try to get them into our next episode. Well, uh, hour 35, hour 40, still far too short a time to spend among such excellent and admirable listeners. But until next time, farewell, friends.